What's going on, everybody? And welcome to another episode of the State of the Nova Nation podcast presented by VU Hoops. I'm Emma Houghton. He's Pat Zhang. And Pat, I'm going to steal your favorite quote of all time. Uh-oh. It is a good day to be a Wildcat. It's a great day to be a Wildcat, actually. Um, man. Oh, man, it feels good to be back in that win column, right? The win? We have some exciting trade news to talk we about. Do. We had some exciting celebrity news in the Finneran Pavilion. Just a phenomenal night on Wednesday night as we're recording this. I'm currently in mountain time, actually. I am currently in Utah, so it's not as late for me, but it's late for Pat over in Pennsylvania. And I don't even feel like we're letting the late night energy get in the way of how good tonight really was. It feels like a lot of things clicked into place. 1-0 and start to the really important part of this three-game home stretch. And hopefully the Cats can ride this really positive momentum because we talked about how it was a little bit odd that there were two ceremonies on one night mm-hmm. for two figures of that stature and it is but i actually thought it was pretty cool it was cool it was cool. when you said one and oh i thought you were just gonna go and villanova's one and oh and like yeah let's just start over let's just wipe <laughs> let's the, the rest of the season <laughs> the season out. started wednesday don't you yeah know? Come on. exactly but no I, I think tonight was so desperately needed for the program through a lot of the downs that have been experienced lately and uh, i know a lot of nova nation w- was very much down to be able to rebound with a win and a win that I think you can build, have some building blocks off of as well as how special a night it was with Jay Wright, with Jalen Brunson, with a certain NBA trade that, uh, that went down um, really rejuvenating night for Villanova and a shot in the arm when they desperately needed it. So please take us through a play by play of your evening at the fin, because I want to hear all about Jay's ceremony Jalen ceremony, what the environment was like. It looked like a beach theme. It, it was a beach theme from the nation and the student section. Um, it's always I a good one. Let's let's say that's like retirement for Jay Wright, and I'll say that that's mm-hmm. why they did it. Otherwise, I, I couldn't tell you. But hey, it's it's always fun. Uh, got there super early uh, with my dad, actually, which was nice to be able to just see all the guys out uh, in warm-ups and go through it. Fun fact, Trey Patterson does not miss in warm-ups, uh, especially from three. It was actually quite incredible to watch. Uh, would love to see that translate into a game one day. It's funny. But that most certainly caught our eyes. Um, the pavilion was packed way before tip-off, which is not normally the case uh, for for the Finneran Pavilion. Of course, we all know why it was packed on on this night, but I thought that was very cool to see. Um, Jay Wright at Jay Wright was honored. Patty Wright was honored, which is great. You know, Father Peter kind of spoke to to lead into them. Jay gave a nice speech. It was just very cool to uh, to see him back there. Uh, That was pregame. And then halftime, Jalen Brunson gets honored. I thought Brunson's speech was a lot of fun and and really good, uh, kind of going through naming all the different teammates. It was so cool that most, if not all, of the New York Knicks were also there. Um, Yeah, I saw that after the fact. That is so cool that that happened. It's funny. I had noticed, because I sit on the side opposite the media side, so kind of behind the student section uh, is where I normally am. And I'm looking across there, and normally it's those two split student sections uh, on the other side. And I had seen that only one of them was filled with students, and one of them was not filled up close to pregame, and then it filled up with non-students. And I remember wondering, I'm like, oh, that's a little weird. It's probably, you know, th- because they're honoring Jay Wright and Jalen, they just needed the extra seating for, like, guests of those guys. 
little did I know the guests of those guys and Jalen Brunson specifically would be the New York Knicks roster uh, sitting there. So pretty cool experience. Uh, as I said, I think Jalen did an awesome job. Uh, he had the best quote of the night uh, between them. And when he was referring to his parents, uh, he said, I never would have imagined that two temple owls could make a Villanova wildcat, uh, <laughs> referring to the alma maters of his mom and dad. Uh, so it, it was just a great, great night. I think it was a feel good night uh, w- with those two ceremonies and to to honor Jay Wright and Jalen Brunson, two real cornerstones of Villanova basketball uh, and lace that in with the win as well. It's a great day to be a wildcat. Yeah, it feels like everything truly Everything that could have gone right went right, which this program really needed. And we talked on Tuesday's episode about how this game, Wednesday night, 830 at the Pavilion against DePaul, might not have sparked all of the chatter on Twitter. Not a lot of juice normally. Yeah, having those two ceremonies certainly helped. Tommy Godin tweeted Jay Wright's speech in entirety. Go follow him on Twitter to listen to the full thing. It's like two and a half minutes. It's really cool. Um, I loved that Fox clipped part of it. And can you guess what part of Jay Wright's speech they clipped? You remember it off the top of your head? Ooh. No, I don't want to hold this up. So please tell it me. Was, it was the part about Nova maintaining. Nova oh, Nation positive. Positive. Maintaining a positive yep. Yep. Oh, oh, trust me. That very much stuck out by the fact. I think he said positive two or three times. Yeah. Uh, that attitude. I uh, I actually audibly laughed. Uh, when too. he said that I, I felt like he was saying that directly to me and I apologize Jay um, yeah. but <laughs> no I'm, I'm not surprised that's the part they clipped no I thought that was pretty funny but yeah not a small feat for all the Knicks to come to for a guy who was traded recently didn't even come up with this NBA team wasn't drafted by them for him to get that much support from his teammates and now I think is long enough for us to go into this podcast without bringing it up Josh Hart was traded to the New York Knicks on Wednesday night. The bummer is that Ryan Archidiakna was part of that trade. Oh, that's so, that so bittersweet, the Arch part. Really, really stinks, especially because Arch was there. Jay Wright mentioned him in the speech as, yep. as Brunson and Arch being two of the best to ever do it, being in the building. So that definitely, I think bittersweet is the perfect word. But I, something also that's circulating on Twitter is Jalen Brunson's reaction to seeing that Josh Hart is being traded to the Knicks. Again, just Everything falling into place. Now we get to watch Hart and Brunson on the NBA stage and to Make see these two ceremonies home. happen. It's just, it's, it's pretty cool. Will Jay Wright be their coach next year? Pat, let's not do that. And back let's to the Villanova game. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So that, that's just a, a really cool thing to be a part of for the Knicks, especially. I mean, obviously the Villanova experiment worked and it continues to work. So you see the Knicks going all in on Villanova, and I love it. Bring in Sadiq Bay next. I know they were exploring oh, potentially trading for him. Just add all the Villanova wings, and let's just run this thing back. I can't imagine the Pistons are going to want to get rid of him, but that would we be pretty We shall cool. see uh, tomorrow, yeah. or as you listen to this today, uh, should be a pretty crazy day in the NBA, as it always is. Yes, as always. All right, so now let's get into some of this action. It The 81-65 to 65 is a pretty wild score. For a game that did not feel nearly as far apart, I sincerely apologize to all of the Nova betters out there because (laughs) as Pat put it it perfectly in our group chat, it just, no matter what you do for Villanova betting, you lose. Except for Chris Natara. I think he was wholeheartedly on Villanova minus 10, which I thought was incredible. But I would have been scared to take that for sure. 
Oh, you know me. I, I refuse to touch it uh, after being burned too many times. So I will sit back and uh, thoroughly enjoy the fact that they, they won this game. Uh, like you said, 81 to 65, I think flatters Villanova in a way because yeah. it wasn't that wide of a margin there. I mean, it was a three-point game at halftime and DePaul kept it. I think it was around seven with about a minute and a half, two minutes left in the game. It was closer to that. And then Nova just hit some shots down the stretch and DePaul did nothing basically in the last 90 seconds or so, allowing Nova to to pull away there. But that said, they won a game. They won a game comfortably and they beat a team in the Big East, not named St. John's or Georgetown. Is it a good yeah. team? Absolutely not. It is the DePaul Blue Demons, but it's a team that going into tonight had the opportunity to sweep Villanova, which would have been completely unacceptable. And they responded to the challenge and came out and scored over 80 points for only the third time this season, which is a pretty big deal for a team that has really sputtered on offense over the last, what, two, two and a half, three weeks. Yeah, no, d- offense is not the issue for the teams in this conference. I've said that before, like DePaul, Marquette, Xavier, UConn, even St. John's putting up relatively decent offensive performances is not something that should shock you. What should shock you is the way they played at the beginning. And you just hoped that they would regress to the mean at some point, but the way they played at the beginning, they wanted this game. They needed this game for some sort of momentum in terms of DePaul and for Villanova. Yes, it's DePaul. Yes. If there's three teams that you can beat, you don't want it to be DePaul, Georgetown and St. John's. It's still (laughs) not great, but I get it. Like this, I think that's the perfect way to put it. Flattering is the right way to phrase this score, but Villanova could have lost this game late. This was not a late execution problem game, which I was listening to the full 40 recently and Willie literally listed off every single game this season where late game execution was the reason for the loss. So we avoided that in this win. I think the guys generally played fundamentally sound basketball, which was really nice to see. Justin Moore had a really great game. Again, just a lot of things looked really good. I don't know if we need to spend a ton of time talking about the negatives on this episode just because there was so much else good going mm-hmm. on this going on in this game, but I do have one question to pose and it is something that the full 40 brought up. So I think it would be poignant for us to piggyback on it a little bit. Rob mentioned that in order for him to feel confident about Nova's chances at making a run in the tournament because again, they really haven't proven to us that they can go on that four-game win streak to get the the bid for the NCAA tournament. But in order for him to feel confident that they might have a chance, he felt like needed Nova needed to go 3-0 and at home in this three-game home stretch against Butler, DePaul, and Seton Hall. And he thought that, he, that Nova needed to win all three convincingly in order for mm. him to feel confident that Villanova would have a chance. My question to you is, a, does this feel like a confident win? And B, does that ring true for you? Or do you feel like still a win is a win for this Villanova team? Confident win, I still, I'm not sure I would go with confident win, though if you look at the score, you you would think it was. I mean, there were times, I know they scored 81 points. There were times where I was quite concerned with what I saw in terms of movement on offense and defensively. DePaul, especially early in the game, was able to attack the basket at will, which is just such a glaring weakness for Villanova. As you said, 
we have spent so many podcasts recently banging the drum on the down. I don't really want to go there as much on, on this one and let's enjoy this thing on, on Thursday after a great night. I, I don't know if they're going to be able to win convincingly against Seton Hall. I think a win over Seton Hall would just be a really good win. And it w- might just be the best win of the year for, for this. Nobody looks good against Seton Hall too. No. The way oh, they play, it's just, play, it's never a good win. No, yeah. I, I know they, they struggled tonight and they, they lost to Creighton, but as we know, Creighton is a damn good team and is starting to catch fire. So I don't give them, you know, any gripes in, in dropping that game. It's tough to beat Seton Hall. So just a win over Seton Hall would be a big deal. Um, you know, Butler, I, I feel like you kind of, that's not a good basketball team. I, I, it's very similar to the, it's not as bad as the DePaul loss uh, in, in mid to early January, but it was still a pretty bad loss. That's one at the Finneran Pavilion that they should be able to have. So I don't need the convincing wins. I just need Villanova to find ways to win. Even with that, I can't say I'm going to feel confident that they can go into the Big East tournament just yet and pull off a run. Cause even with those wins, say they beat DePaul and Butler, you know, maybe drop a close one to Seton Hall or just get past them. That's still not your behemoth of the conference. Right. You know, we go into that next stretch of games of Providence, Savior, Creighton, Seton Hall again, and then Connecticut, and you find some wins there. Okay. We can talk about potentially going, you know, potentially looking to make a run. I'm still not sure I'm going to believe it uh, based on all the data we've seen, but it's a good start. They had to win this game. They did win this game. I think we take it from there. Yeah. What about you? I, I feel the same way. Yeah. I, I didn't feel like this was a convincing win the way that DePaul started the game and the way that they came out of halftime. Yes. Ooh, the 21 yeah. to four run in the first half was phenomenal. And yes, they closed this game. Those are the two points that I'm really sticking with, but I, I definitely agree with you. I don't feel like there's anything unless it's ripping off three of the five wins on the road to close the season. That's really going to change my mind about this team. I know that there's a ton of chatter about, oh, watch out for Villanova down the stretch. People are, you know, like Creighton, especially because Villanova hadn't played them early in the season. You guys are so lucky that you played Villanova early in the season versus now. Yes, they're healthier, but there are still a lot of recurring issues on this team that I don't think Mm -hmm. this last seven or eight game stretch is going to totally a race but that being said it's really just nice to watch a full 40 minutes of Villanova basketball this was fundamental when the offense got going it was it sounds corny but the fact that they all buy into it so much makes it not corny this was classic attitude basketball you were you saw the the vintage Brandon Slater tip outs to create new possessions Mm -hmm. from offensive rebounds you saw Cam Whitmore creating turnovers Every single possession, you saw upperclassmen like Arch and Daniels and Dixon drawing fouls to get themselves to the line and to get DePaul in foul trouble, which is something they really struggled with. So you saw set plays for Brennan Hawson, for God's sakes. They did Everything run that. We never was run going set right. Plays. Yeah. Oh, it was beautiful. I've loved his progression of minutes as well in the past few games. So this definitely felt like a step in the right direction. The score might be a bit misleading, misleading, I should say. But I think you can walk away feeling like if all the if the last three heartbreaking losses, <laughs> if the the few rational, I don't know how you can feel this way, but the few rational people out there who thought those were moral victories, this was the the climax of that. Finally, it came together and we actually got a W. I got tired of moral victories very quickly and I just right, wanted, I'm sick I wanted of a real one. And I'm uh, sick of and, them. and here they are. And, you know, they closed. They closed well. This was 
you know, a, a certainly contested game down the stretch uh, and Villanova found a way to win it. Um, you know, something that we haven't seen that often is that in the second half of game in the second half of the game, they scored more points than they scored in the first half. And they allowed fewer points in the second half than they allowed in the first half. We haven't seen Villanova get better after halftime very often. And to your point, uh, the first couple minutes of the second half, they most certainly were not better where DePaul went on that run to uh, not only tie the game, but I believe to take the lead as well. But after that, you know, Nova really put it into another gear, which is just something we haven't seen all that often this year. So I I take that as a huge positive swing for this team. And we'll see if they can start to move in that direction rather than the one that has been so mind-numbingly frustrating uh, in so many games this year. It's nice to see both of them be good at the same time. Haven't we said that so often? There's always a really good good (laughs) offensive game and a really poor defensive game or vice versa yes I I feel the exact same way something I wanted to bring up we're not going to get super nitty-gritty here but all five scores did score in the double digits six points from Hawson off the bench bench points finally change right (laughs) after the last game no I thought Hawson had a really good game I I like that set I like that um this was your point that you brought up during the game but the the freshman rotation letting Armstrong Hawson and Whitmore play together. The defense yeah. definitely struggled, but it was at a point in the game where DePaul was hot and then cold so intermittently that it didn't feel like the personnel would fix that. So I like the idea of letting them mm-hmm. run a little bit. I think we have to see more from Armstrong. I think there's been a stretch I now agree. where we, I think he's struggling we right now. have not seen him perform. Yeah. So no. I, I need to see more of that in the future. Yeah. I mean, we got the, the anti J lineup with Jay sitting there um, courtside <laughs> where you had three freshmen in, uh, in Armstrong, Hawson and Whitmore to go along with Dixon and more. That's a really interesting lineup and one that I'm quite intrigued by, honestly, as we keep going down the stretch here. Um, to your point, Armstrong has to play better. He's getting really loose with the ball. I know he only turned it over once, but there were a couple of opportunities where DePaul could have taken it away and they didn't. Uh, he's struggling to find find a groove right now. I still like what he brings, especially defensively um, and, and knowing what that potential that can be unlocked on offense. But it has been a bit of a struggle. Uh, Hawson, to your point, looked really good today. Uh, even defensively, it wasn't that bad. Right. With Hawson out there, there was one stretch where I, I audibly laughed out loud where Hawson first comes in. Villanova immediately switches to a 2-3 zone. It is a wide open three that DePaul drills and they never go back to his zone again for the rest of the game. And, you know, they, they haven't been playing much zone lately and I, I they didn't go back to it after that. I'm comfortable with Villanova trying to stick in man here because I, I give Kyle credit for trying the zone. They struggle. To, to get over in rotation wise and, and communication wise in there. So I'd rather them stick to man to man. And then Cam Whitmore still takes too many threes for me as, as we know, but there was a stretch in this game where I believe it was three consecutive possessions where he just drove at the rim and dunked, uh, dunked on DePaul, got fouled and, and went up with a, a crazy acrobatic layup. That is the Cam Whitmore that he can be. That is the Cam Whitmore that can really put his hands all over games and, and take over as well as the strong rebounding presence that he has. So I, I think he was starting to figure out a little bit more here tonight and to see him bounce back as well after some of the struggles he's had recently. I think that's important because you can get into some sort of malaise here if you continue to to go through some inconsistencies and such. But with, with him finding a bit of a groove and being a really big part of this offense on uh, Wednesday night, 
let's see if it moves forward against the very difficult Seton Hall defensive team on Saturday. No, you're right. That's a really good point. It was a strong all around performance and he also didn't turn the ball over. So you How saw him you say make, that not very. you saw him make, yeah, much fewer mistakes, which was really nice to see. I'll clarify you even further. I would like cam to take less ISO threes. Yeah. When he is, when it's a part of the set offense catch and, and he's able to catch and shoot, that's perfectly fine. But the the ISO step back fadeaways early in the shot clock when you've got a tight defender just isn't a good way to spend the possession. And it feels those are, like those are for the NBA scouts. And yeah, like I, and, I and get it, it. I know what he's doing, but let's let's not do it as much, please. It feels like it tapes, takes a step backward whenever he does that because you have games like this where he is really grooving in this system and it's working well and he provides this spark and he's able to drive to the basket and then you see him do that and it also seems to happen when Villanova is in a rut offensively. He feels like he has to take it into his own hands yep. and do too much. And if he can just take an extra second, even take that guy to the rim, if he converted all those ISO threes into drives to the rim, I think we would all be a lot happier. But 17 points... 50% from the floor at large with no turnovers and seven boards is a pretty good stat line for Whitmore on Wednesday. We will most certainly take that. And then you got the best offensive game in terms of scoring output for Mr. Justin Moore coming back from that Achilles. Really nice to see. I was getting sick of talking about Justin Moore's impact and how it makes everybody else better without actually talking about how good he is. <laughs> so it's nice to finally talk about how good, at, at least from a scoring perspective, we all know how good he is. I mean, Nep- this is from Tommy Godin too. Neptune said, Neptune said after the game that in his mind, he can he thinks he's one of the best players in the country, fully healthy. I don't think there's any doubt in anybody's mind that that's the case when he's able to do everything well. I think there's still a huge emphasis on the three which probably means he isn't fully trusting of that leg yet, which we can't Mm -hmm. truly fault him for. But the way he's able to catch and shoot, his shot fakes, the mid-range was there a little bit more tonight, which I really like to see. It's a slower progression than we might have hoped, but it's definitely there for more. And it's not like, the, the crazy thing about him is it's not like, he wasn't doing other things well before the scoring came along. So for, to see the scoring finally happen is just a sigh of relief. I think it's, he must be so relieved after this game, right? Yeah, I, I think so. I, it, what you saw here was a bit more of the return to what Justin Moore does so well. And that's his ability to knife through defenses and, and finish through the rim and, and be able to maneuver his body around the rim to put himself into a position to score the basketball. He is such an eloquent finisher uh, that it is my favorite part of his game to watch. Uh, he's still struggling, you know, to find his rhythm from three. He shot 10 of them tonight and only made two of them. It's been a struggle for him from deep so far uh, in these first couple of games. Uh, he didn't make a three against Providence, only shot 29% uh, against Marquette, and then was much better in that 43% uh, against Creighton. So still trying to find a groove there, but it's more and more about just getting him into rhythm, getting him into flow, and finding ways to create around the basket, because that's something that, as we've talked about many times, his Villanova team didn't have a go-to guy, because Whitmore can be a little reluctant to go to the hoop. 
Justin will go to the hoop. And I think we saw that interesting thing too, that, that I noticed, and I don't know if they showed it on the cameras uh, was after he hit his last three to really put Villanova uh, ahead against DePaul down the stretch, coming back on defense, he yelled at the DePaul bench and you do not see that very mm. often. That was a, is that why there, there was that little scuffle at the end? It, it very well may have been. Mm. Uh, I don't know for sure because it was there was definitely some separation from when the more yell happened and the, the end of the game, but it was noticeable. And, and that was a big just exertion of, of energy and emotion from Justin Moore that I don't think we see all that often. Uh, listen, I'm for it. Fire the guys up. I, I think this team needs a little bit of a kick, uh, you know, a pick me up. So I, I, I'm all for showing a little bit of fight there and uh, just something interesting to watch because it doesn't pop up. I that like much. that. No, you you would think that he is the most stoic of all the stoic moments. Yeah. So that's surprising for me to hear. I also like it. And I'm just so happy for him to feel like he's finally there where he could perform after the year that he had that I think he's deserving of. I think he's allowed to do that. He's deserving of it. He has 100% put his time in and now he's finally able to reap the, the rewards of it and pour in 17 points. Just awesome to see him out there. Uh, just yeah. another another cherry on top, really, of what was a special night is this was Justin Moore's first game in the Finneran Pavilion um, back from that Achilles injury. So yeah, it was you're just, right. Well, Sparta for the great. Providence game. Yeah, so yeah. That, was, that was great to be able to see. And then three-point-wise, Villanova shot at 34% uh, in the game. That's not great, but it's better than what it's been for Nova. And to their credit, I mean, they were probably about halfway through the second half and shooting 23% from three. And then Caleb Daniels really caught fire uh, from beyond the arc, finished seven of 10 overall, four of five from three and a team leading 18 points. I still think Daniels can struggle with decision-making at times. He had two turnovers again. It could have been a couple more, um, but again, DePaul just wasn't great uh, on the defensive side. But if, if you're able to at least have Daniels make up for some of those incorrect decisions with shooting 70% from the field and giving you a three-point marksman out there, you will take it. So it's the ups and the downs with him. Um, but when those ups are on, uh, he's on. And, and that's what it was on Wednesday. Yeah, and it felt like it was a really extended up earlier in the season. And then when Villanova went on their losing streak, you could probably attribute a lot of that to him not being on offensively. I mean, there were... Oh, totally. All these games came down to the last possession or so a few more Daniel shots fall and that score could look pretty differently. So it's nice to see him rebound. I thought Slater looked good from three too. always nice. Again, the impact of more and Whitmore driving to the basket. It allows guys like Slater to get more looks. And when he can hit them at that clip at that volume emphasis on that volume, I don't think we want him shooting any more than three or four threes a game. It looks really good, and it's nice to see him score in double figures. I thought he got to the basket at a decent clip. Again, all five scores finished in double figures. A decent defensive performance against a DePaul offense that could score the basketball. I mean, Johnson, Gibson, really good scores. Nelson, luckily, Pat, you must have had a sigh of relief, was not Thank able God. to dominate the way he did. No. Last game out. He tried I to. He tried to. And I thought for a second that he was going to. And DePaul's other big men at the beginning of the game. I felt like there was a shift where they were going to try and pound down low. And they exploited Dixon a few times. But to the defensive credit, 
defense's credit, they shifted. And I think this game comes down to me in one sentence. It's that Villanova is the more talented team, and they showed it. They played a fundamentally sound game, and they didn't let a inferior DePaul team beat them at home. Yeah, fifty over fifty percent of DePaul's points came from Johnson and Gibson uh, on on Wednesday night. Really important to keep Nelson in check, and then Anai, who who can certainly hurt you. And uh, DePaul really did go in early uh, around the paint, and that was their game plan. And Villanova deeply struggled uh, with some of the switches and and mismatches through the first five seven minutes of the game with DePaul inside. Things got a lot better. Now, a part of that was because DePaul got a little three point happy. Um, and stopped going to to the well, which I think you can always question going away from what works, uh, even when you have the ability to to hurt him from from deep there. But I I do give some credit to Villanova as well for solidifying some of their rotations and their movements down low, and there were some better box outs and, and such. So you take that as an improvement. So it's important because DePaul does have some guys that can hurt you. Absolutely, it's it's not a good basketball team, but there is some talent there. Villanova just adjusted better, which is not something I think you've been able to say too often this season. Uh, and as you said, their their talent really shown through, which is very, very key. Because again, it's it's something we haven't seen all that often. A lot of buzzwords tonight. I'd say so. Adjustments, three-point shooting. <laughs> A lot of things going in Villanova's direction. They needed this win, bottom line. They could not lose this game. This, this important of a game for off-court activities they just couldn't lose to DePaul at home and they took care of business bottom line bottom line it's a great day to be a wildcat we're not going to talk too much about Seton Hall because it is on Saturday yeah but more just a mention just because we are literally talking about this the way I would categorize Seton Hall every time you play them it's going to be an ugly win if you do manage to win they've won seven of their last nine they're extremely hot the thing with Seton Hall is they don't have a bad loss. Their losses in conference play, <laughs> you could guess them. Yeah. Creighton, Marquette, Creighton, Marquette, Xavier, and Providence. They have a really good win against UConn. But the, the issue with them is they haven't gotten the huge marquee wins, but they don't lose to bad teams. Yeah, they They're avoid so, those bad losses. So fundamentally sound. And Villanova's going to have to play really well you could just see like they're not wowing teams offensively defense has always been their game and it stayed that way even with Shaheen Holloway and as much as we wrote off the chemistry issue and Mm -hmm. this was just going to be kind of a brush off year as Holloway got more comfortable at Seton Hall they're competing and I think they're making a serious serious case to be a NCAA tournament team, not a bubble team, a tournament team. So they want this Villanova win badly. Yeah, they're right there right now on the bubble of kind of that last four in, first four out uh, place. Not going to give too much on Seton Hall, but the things to to look for here defensively, what Shaheen has done is what exactly you would expect Shaheen to do. And he is very quickly has turned them into one of the premier defensive teams in the country. Uh, from three-point, they are holding teams to 30% uh, from beyond the arc, which is a very, very good 
percentage defensively, and they are causing teams to turn that ball over a lot. Over 21% of the time, uh, Seton Hall is able to force a turnover. Uh, They use their length. They rotate very, very quickly and very well. Um, They are a difficult team to break down. As we said, the perimeter defense is very strong. There's no like Ike Obiagu to really patrol the the interior, though Casey Indefo is a very strong uh, kind of forward player uh, defensively for them. It, it is a much better Seton Hall team than I think a lot of us predicted. It's going to be a difficult game on, on Saturday at the Wells Fargo Center. It's always intense with that Seton Hall-Villanova rivalry. I'm quite excited to be there uh, for it on, on Saturday night. But this is going to be a very difficult game and, and a huge test for for Villanova um, to, to take on a team this proficient on the defensive side when we know that they can struggle from on offense. Yeah, and you're hoping, again, this is a big Whitmore more game to see how they can compete against a premier defense. Like you said, I absolutely love the Saturday night prime time. And then you've got UConn at XL center, I believe noon, the Saturday after that. So there is a ton of good Nova basketball on the next few Saturdays. I love the eight o'clock time slot. Mm. It's going to be a rock fight. It will not be pretty. Nope. But this could be a, it, I think you said it perfectly. This could be Villanova's best win of the season. It, it could be. And, and we hope so. And then you got a certain game called the Super Bowl on Sunday. Sounds like a pretty good weekend. Go Chiefs. Um, Want to <laughs> go into the mailbag? Yeah, let's do it. All right, let's wrap up with a couple questions here. Uh, first question comes in from Big Tasty. Uh, how do you feel about Villanova retiring number one for Jalen Brunson versus co-retiring for Scotty Reynolds? You can take this one first. Sure. Um, I know this one gets... Uh, a lot of attention and a lot of interest and why it does is because Scotty Reynolds should 1 billion percent have his Jersey retired. And I will guarantee you that Scotty Reynolds will have his Jersey retired. Uh, Kind of the line from the program has been that they have not retired his number just yet because he is still playing professionally overseas. He is actually currently playing in the Polish league, I believe When you're playing in the Polish league, it can be a little difficult to figure out scheduling to come back to Villanova uh, for that ceremony. So that is kind of the school line on why it hasn't happened yet. I firmly believe Scotty Reynolds will have his jersey retired uh, once his playing days overseas are over. And I really look forward to that day because he is an iconic player in the history uh, of Villanova. He was my favorite player growing up. And I actually, as you were talking about that, it reminded me that I think A. Ray said that specifically when we had him on last year. The He had been telling the program to retire his jersey without him, and they wouldn't let him. Yep. Do you remember him saying that? It was because he was playing That overseas. sounds familiar. That yeah. Sounds, they, they want you to be there, and they want your family to be there. And they want they to be should. a really special yeah. day. Yeah. So I understand the, the ire because it has been so long too. and the number one, and we get it, but... Yeah, just to, to clarify, because I got a question about it on Twitter, too. They don't actually retire the number. That's why you saw Brennan Hawson wearing number one, even though they retired Brunson's one jersey. It's the literal jersey for mm-hmm. Brunson. Exactly. Only number that Villanova has retired is Paul Arizon, which is number 11. That is the only yeah. one you will not see any Villanova Wildcat ever wear again. Otherwise, they just honor the jerseys. Pretty cool. Yeah, not bad. Uh, Fred Runge asked, did, in fact, video kill the radio star? Um I love that we're going with some some throwback music there. I hope not, and I would bet not, because you are currently listening to a podcast if you are listening to us. So <laughs> I think radio and audio is still doing okay there. 
Uh, a question came in from Tom Zhang. If Villanova makes it to Friday night at the Big East tournament, mm. would you consider the season a success? That's a phenomenal question. I'm, I'm hoping to be there. One off. I'm Friday hoping to be night. there too. Yeah. Wow. Good one. Late. A, a buzzer beater too. Yes, it was. I'm going to say no, because I think that there are always incredibly high expectations for this team. And I think making it to Friday night has become the standard. Your counterpoint to that is that you have to take each season individually Mm -hmm. and base it on the personnel and the coaching situations and the injury situations, which have been plentiful for the team this season. I think there has just been a lot of missed opportunities. I think they've hung around and proven that they compete, that they can compete with enough good teams throughout the course of the season and not won any of those games that it has been a disappointment. And I think this, I will view this season generally as an underachieving team. Mm-hmm. If they can make magic happen in the big East tournament, if they can win the thing, if they can get to the tournament, then we're talking, but Friday night is just, is just throwing off one team you would think. And I, I, I hope that that's still the standard. I have a feeling it'll be throwing off two teams. Cause I think Villanova is going to be playing on Wednesday night. Um, yeah. But for, I totally well, see I meant one big team. Yes, right? I, I, I don't gotcha. consider throwing off DePaul. <laughs> what? I will take <laughs> Too it big. at this point. Um, <laughs> I, uh, I would consider it a success uh, at this point. Interesting. I for, I, for one, would be thrilled for Villanova to make it to Friday night and, and be in a Big East semifinal uh, at the Garden. Because at that point, there will be, hope will be very full uh, in our hearts yeah. going into that. We'll be brimming with that, which is something that I think a lot of us haven't felt for a little while here. Um and we know how good this conference is. We know how difficult this conference is. That's going to require Villanova to win two games on back-to-back games against Big East foes. And thus far, we haven't seen them do it. So if they're able to pull that off and take us into Friday night, I will personally be absolutely thrilled. Um, yeah. And then you, you hope they can do something from there. No, it's a really good point. I, I can't even talk about how excited I would be if that's the case. And that's why I just can't help but talk about how awesome this conference is because we're still so far from determining the regular season winner. And there are so many chances for different teams to take the lead. Even Seton Hall and UConn have chances to jump the teams based on how everything's going to go down and based on remaining schedules for all the rest of the teams. So there's just so many different scenarios that could play out that second week in March. And I'm hoping that Villanova can be part of that mix. As am I. And then we'll round this thing out with three questions from our man, Jerry. As always. As always. Thank you, Jerry Quinn. Uh, Are you feeling better after the DePaul win? I think I know your answer. I am feeling better. Are you? I I am too. You know, this is a good show. This is a happy show. Um, So we are all for that. Uh, Question two is for me. Uh, How was the crowd at the game tonight? I think this was the best crowd at the Fitter and Pavilion we've had this season. Uh, It's awesome. Yeah, it makes sense because there's a little added juice there when when you add in Jay Wright night and Jalen Brunson night. Um, but the crowd was in was there early. The crowd was into it early. Uh, I, I think it was mostly positive. I did, we didn't get the booze that we've heard a couple yeah, times this true. season, which really pissed me off. Um, so His brother I, was in the stand, so I really <laughs> hope that we, 
we taught it down for that. It, exactly. So uh, the crowd listened to Jay Wright and asked for a positive, positive attitude, I believe was the quote. And there mm-hmm. was some positive, positive attitude. So we will take that. Other than the things. That's all you can ask for. Other, other than the times I yelled from my seat, but we don't need to go through <laughs> that. Um, and then last question, who needs to play better for us to beat Seton Hall on Saturday night? Great question. Uh, it feels like this is becoming a recurring answer. I, I think Slater needs to have a pretty epic defensive performance. I know mm. that he has become the guy that is is stepping up in Jermaine's Jermaine Samuel's shadow as the Swiss Army knife. He has to do a lot of things well, but because of that, he doesn't become the star because it's sure. the the like picker upper stuff, the the non pretty box outs and all that stuff, but. When he is able to draw a defensive assignment and lock down on that guy, which we've seen him do throughout the season in spurts, I think this that makes this defense so much better. And then when he's able to knock down even just two threes, when he's able to get to the rim, it makes this team so much more versatile on offense. It takes the pressure off of Moore and Whitmore, and the two of them are going to be facing immense pressure on Saturday from really good Seton Hall defenders. So I think if you get another option in Slater in that offense, it just makes things a little bit easier to find a bucket. I like that a lot. I'll give you two. Uh, I'll And I'll split it offense, defense, defensive side. I want to see Eric Dixon play a little bit mm-hmm. better and keep to his assignments more and stop getting pulled uh, towards the top of the key and allowing for back cuts there. I think that's something that Seton Hall is going to look to try and exploit because they are not a great three-point shooting team. So uh, the bulk of their points are going to come in the paint. On the offensive side, we, we kind of touched on a little bit. Would love to see Mark Armstrong start to refine some of that uh, rhythm and solid play we saw in early January where he really just relies on some of his instincts and athleticism uh, and getting in the open floor and finding ways around the rim uh, rather than using most of his shots up around the perimeter just because we know how talented he can be. So I look at those two. You, you'd be hard-pressed to find a player more exciting to watch than Mark Armstrong when he's right. Maybe Kim Whitmore. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. A lot Some good young talent on this Wildcat team. For real. I am so excited for Saturday. It's going to be an awesome show down. I am really excited to see Shaheen Holloway. It stinks to Me play too. Seton Hall this late uh, because I've been really excited to play them all season long and they, they are certainly in a groove, but big time game for Villanova. I hope the atmosphere is awesome and I'm so excited that you were able to be there on Wednesday night for all the the activities. It seemed like a really special night for real. Phenomenal night tonight. Uh, super excited for Saturday night too, and have a whole squad of hooligans coming with me. Um, so shout out to all those guys. Amazing. They, who they are. Yeah. Saturday night's going to be fun. Um, but seriously, we said it at the be the beginning of the show, it's a perfect way to end it. Uh, tonight was a, a night that Villanova desperately needed in the way that this game played out and in how special uh, the ceremonies were for for Jay Wright, Jalen Brunson, and, and Josh Hart being in the news going to the Knicks. What what a cool night for Villanova. What a much-needed night for Villanova in a season that has had many downs uh, to go through it. Uh, I think February 9th is going to be a day that he look back and, uh, and really smile on when we think back of the season. What a positive episode, Pat. I'm proud of us. Thank you. I'm, I'm proud Best of, of the season. Really most am. positive of the season? It just, uh, up there with the positive vibes only one uh, after Seriously. St. John's for sure. 
better awesome. than the last the Paul podcast. Let's put it that way. <laughs> yeah, definitely. I was here for it. That's the reason why. You're welcome. <laughs> yeah, you kept me out of my own thoughts. But uh... all right, that'll do it for us here on the State of the Nova Nation podcast presented by VU Hoops. Be sure to check out vuhoops.com for all your Villanova content all season long. Follow us on Spotify, subscribe to the show on iTunes, and follow us on Twitter at SONNPod. We will be back at it on Tuesday. Huge win on Wednesday. Let's see if Villanova can keep it going on Saturday night. Everyone, I hope you have a great weekend. Once a Wildcat, always a Wildcat. And Nova Nation, that's a wrap. <laughs>